You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's everybody doing? Locked On Browns, episode 133. I'm your host uh, on Twitter, guys, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, please keep following the Locked On Browns account. Guys, it's the best way for you to get in touch with me. Anything you want on the show, anybody you want to hear, you know, direct message, uh, you know, send any tweets over that way. Uh, a lot of action over my personal Twitter account. Sometimes I cannot keep it up with all of it for the Locked On Browns account. Guys, anything you want, I've got you there here. Uh, like I said, Ravens week here. Uh, we're actually doing, you know, a double shot here. This is something I, I think is a little more necessary when you're playing the conference opponents. You know, obviously the Bengals. Steelers and such, and the Ravens, obviously, you know, we'll do a little bit more here. These are teams we're going to know and continue to know. You know, some of these teams, we're only going to play them, you know, maybe once every two years, maybe once every three years. But teams like the Ravens, they're not going anywhere, obviously. So uh, I've double-dipped here at the Ravens Wire. We've uh, brought in Matthew Stevens, uh, head editor over there, and does a lot of work over there at uh, Ravens Wire. Matthew, first off, how's that thing going tonight, buddy? Hey, things are going all right over here. Seven and six ain't too bad, right? Uh, well, this is this is where I'm going to get the ball rolling. Seven and six. I got to be honest. I mean, everything I've looked at, it, it you know, it, it's just funny how football works sometimes. Because if you took the record aside and just showed everybody the statistics and everything, this doesn't look like a seven and sixteen. But hey, at the end of the day, you are what you are. You are what your record are. And hey, ain't nobody giving back a playoff spot if you have a chance to get one. That's exactly it. And you know what? Uh, for for a team that hasn't been the postseason since 2014, uh, you know, Ravens fans will, will gladly take any gimme that uh, anyone wants to go ahead and give them. And if that means a playoff uh, spot, hey, they'll, they'll gladly take it because magic can happen once you're in the playoffs. Hey, all you need is a ticket to that dance. Uh, first thing I want to hit on, Matthew, um, a guy I loved a couple of years ago was a running back out of Arkansas. People yelled at me. I had him as my number two overall running back in that class. People laughed at me. Ended up a fifth-round selection, you know, went to a terrible spot. Seattle was deep in the running back position. Uh, the way it unfolded, you know, he ended up, you know, in you know late August, obviously getting, you know, moved on, released. Um, I'm sure Seattle would probably wish they had him right now. But Alex Collins is is gone into Baltimore, and he's probably their best skilled player on that roster right now. So I'm happy for him. But uh, do me a favor and give me some uh, thoughts here on Alex and what he's done for this offense. Well, I mean, he's he's brought a Ravens style of run to to this team, and and what I mean by that is he's a bigger guy. I mean, he's not huge, but he's bigger. Uh, he's able to go ahead and run it right up the gut, which is is as you know, AFC North football through and through. But he still has enough speed to bounce it to the outside to go ahead and beat you know outside linebacker to the edge and, and go ahead and make plays that way. And and as we saw, you know, Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he he took a, a you know what a three yard pass. And turned it into 37 yards by bouncing off some some would-be tacklers, running through some guys, uh, and, and then you know outrunning a few of them as well. So uh, all in all, Alex Collins has been kind of a, a godsend of sort for this offense to kind of keep them moving along, just by having that stability, that guy you can count on. You know, 10, 15 carries a game. He's going to go ahead and get you some yardage. He's going to keep uh, you know your your second and third downs manageable. Uh, and, and which you know just allows you to, to do a lot on offense uh, when you have a third and short or a third and, and, and five maybe uh, that, that helps a lot. 
See, and that was the thing. That's why I didn't understand why he didn't get much love, you know, uh, you know, during his draft, you know, cycle. No, here was a guy who was doing this, and look, I mean, you know, we, everybody pretty much is, you know, in agreement that year in year out, SEC is usually the best conference. And here he was. I mean, he wasn't coming from Alabama. He wasn't coming from LSU. He was at Arkansas, which is, you know, a little bit of the, you know, the middle of the rung of the SEC. And it just, I, I never understood how he didn't get the respect. Because these were the things he did at Arkansas and put up some monster numbers for not the greatest Arkansas teams, but he did it week in and week out against a lot of NFL competition. So the fact that, you know, the way it worked out for him, obviously he's in a great spot now, looking at a thousand yard season, you know, well over 800 yards now, over five yards of carry. You know, football's weird sometimes. It takes a little while for somebody to find that spot and when they get that opportunity and seize it. But I'm happy that Alex has. Uh, as far as the rest of the skill unit in Baltimore, I mean, you look at it statistically, uh, the wide receiver core, I mean, it's brutal to look at. I mean, I'm not even sure if this team has a wide receiver two, let alone a wide receiver one. Uh, but give me your thoughts here, you know, on, on you know the pass catchers and, you know, between them and Joe, because you think Mike Wallace and Joe would, you know, They'd maybe fare a little bit better because, you know, Joe with the big arm, Mike with the reputation of the deep game. But all in all, I mean, you know, they're certainly not lighting any lamps. Well, I mean, first and foremost, uh, if it weren't for my knee surgery on Tuesday, I'd probably be out there catching passes. Right. They don't have a wide receiver one, a two, really even a three. I mean, I'll be honest. Rashad Perryman was expected to be their number one or number two. Uh, and he's been demoted now for three out of the last four games. Uh, it is a healthy scratch. So, that kind of tells you what's going on with this team when it comes to pass catchers. But you know, outside of that, it's not just their fault, even though a lot of it is their fault. Uh, when they have been able to get open, which has been very rare, uh, you know, they, they haven't been able to catch passes, and that's really the whole lot of them. Uh, that's Wallace, that's Macklin, that's Perryman, uh, you know, and all the way down. They just haven't been able to catch passes. And in fact, a, a good number of Joe Flacco's interceptions come off the hands of his wide receivers Hit him right in the numbers, goes to a defender who then, you know, catches it for the the interception. So, you know, some of it's that, but some of it's also the fact that the offense has done a a great job of shortening things up and, and playing to not lose. Which, you know, when you have a really good defense, is kind of an okay idea. That's that's not a bad thing, especially if your wide receivers aren't playing all that great. But what that's meant is there hasn't been a deep threat through a majority of this season. Uh, and, and when there's no deep, you start seeing safeties come down, you start seeing linebackers come down, you start seeing those cornerbacks play press coverage, uh, and that's when you start seeing Flacco get hit repeatedly. That's when you see you know the, the passes end up being two, three, four yards because well, everything's in that grouping. Your guys can't run any further, and now all of a sudden you have 11 players all around your, your potential target. It, it makes life a lot harder to go ahead and, and complete passes and and you know, get first downs and move down the field. Over the last two or three games, we've seen the deep passing attack kind of come back. We've seen the Ravens still throw those short passes, you know, those little two, three, four, five-yard uh, uh, passes to the tight ends and, and running backs especially. But, you know, he's been able to, to connect to, with Wallace down the field or at least attempt to do so, which has then forced, it, you know, the defense to back off of that. You're getting a little bit of that separation, which means Alex Collins has – a little bit more room to run, a little bit more room to go ahead and do his thing, uh, and, and it's just opened up the offense as a whole. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if at the end of this season, don't be surprised if Wallace, Macklin, and Perryman are no longer in Ravens jerseys. 
Well, the thing with Perriman, and this is actually funny, uh, I, like it was so weird that he ended up being a first-round pick. You know, obviously part of that UFC squad, but he didn't play a lot in college. Um, you know, I think a lot of people just you know you know maybe played off the fact that you know his father had a solid NFL career. Um, you know, I I mentioned earlier, you know, on the show I did with Lindsay, obviously from Ravens Wire, I, I put up a. Th- a stat during his draft process, you know, we're about to draft him in the first round. You know, obviously Perriman was looking like he was going to be a first round guy. And I put up his father's career statistics. And I think it was like over 500 receptions, you know, you know, will, you know, Bashar Perriman ever match these. And, you know, he's not going to match them. And it just, when you miss on a wide receiver in round one, and look, these are the guys that you need to put points on the board. It's going to hold you back. I mean, it, it's remarkable, you know, that the Ravens, you know, are at the position they're at in seven and six. But you miss on a premium skill position like they did with Paraman, it's going to cost you. Yeah, it's, you know, what I called him at draft time was he's Torrey Smith. He has questionable hands. He's super fast in a straight line, but can't run another route to save his life. And you better hope that he gets those, those pass interference calls. I mean, that's what... Torrey Smith's career was in Baltimore, and if you've noticed, after Baltimore, he's done nothing, absolutely nothing in, in his last two stops. Um, and that's that's not to say that he's not talented. That's not to say Perryman's not talented, because they both are. They both have that raw speed. But I'll be honest, if you're you know in your 20s, you've now been through peewee football, you've now been through college football, you've been through the entire draft process. If you can't catch a football, I'm not going to be able to teach it to you at 23. It's not going to happen. Uh, and I can't teach you to go ahead and run a route better at 23, at least not exponentially so, to where you're going to go ahead and beat an, an all-pro or a Pro Bowl cornerback. It's just I can't do that. So I have to rely as a team solely on your speed to go ahead and get open. And, and you know, look, it's not college. Not everybody is, is you know, super slow. You're going to have a bunch of guys who can run and keep up with you, especially with safety help over the top. And that's been a lot of Perryman's issue is he hasn't been able to get open because, well, speed doesn't always translate to winning football in, 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 in the NFL. And you have to have something else going for you, and he's yet to develop anything else. And it, it, it's, it's funny that you brought that up. And it, the one-trick pony is definitely something you know that seemed to be the consensus on him. And here was the other thing. Look, you know, Miami at the time wasn't a premier football school. Now, here was Perriman, a legacy kid, and – he went to UCF. So, I mean, even, you know, his dad, you know, he his dad was part of some great years at Miami. And, you know, Miami didn't look at a legacy kid and say, all right, yeah, no, we'll, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. It just seemed like out of nowhere, it was, you know, like it was based off of one or two games. And look, you know, obviously Drew Rosenhaus, you know, everybody knows the power he has. But yeah. sometimes, you know, you know, he got sold, you know, basically sold the hooker with the heart of gold. Uh, guys, locked on Browns. Uh, as always, guys, any of you Cleveland fans, uh, locked on Cavs, you know, uh, obviously always doing well over the Cavaliers, you know, LeBron and the boys, you know, just slowly matriculating through the offseason, getting themselves ready for the postseason. But Chris Manning on Locked On Cavaliers has got you covered, does a great job over there. Anything you need Cavalier-wise, by, ho- by all means, check out Locked On Cavs and Chris Manning. They do a fantastic job. Just switch on over here a little bit, Matt, to the uh, defense. Actually, you know what, before I do that, uh, the offensive line. Uh, give me a couple thoughts here. Maybe a bright spot. Somebody who's you know maybe playing a little bit you know better you know a little, you know needs some attention, deserves some attention. Uh, really, I mean, there's there's three guys on this offensive line right now that deserve uh, you know 
great consideration for the work they've done, and that's left tackle Ronnie Stanley, that's center Ryan Jensen, and that's right tackle Austin Howard. And uh, you know Jensen was going to be in a battle uh, for that center position. Uh, his competition suddenly retired at the start of training camp uh, unexpectedly. Ronnie Stanley, I mean, he's in his second year, was expected to you know to improve, but has been making a case for for a Pro Bowl. Uh, a year this year, and then Austin Howard, who has had some rough years uh, mm-hmm. throughout his career, suddenly shows up and has been pretty good. Now the Jack, the Jack IME knows that. Yeah. <laughs> now the two guards are not very good. I mean, you've got at left guard, you've got the second string right tackle in James Hurst, uh, and at right guard, you have the third string center in Matt Skura. The fact that those three positive players have been able to make up for both of those guards, and you have an offensive line that hasn't really allowed a ton of sacks, uh, has been able to help Collins go ahead and get five, six yards of carry throughout this season. I mean, that speaks wonders to what they are. And those are the three guys that were, were going to be starters anyway. You, you go ahead and get Alex Lewis back at left guard. You get you know the, the eventual Hall of Famer in Marshall Yonda back at right guard. All of a sudden, this this offensive line is scary going into next season. As long as they can keep up the pace that they have been doing this year, but uh, that, that's those three really deserve uh, a lot more credit than they have been getting this season. Well, I mean, you bring those two back. I mean, you, now you're talking, you know, top O line in the NFL type of status. So obviously, you know, and, and that's where you see and look, you know, Alex Collins just got to be licking his chops, knowing you know he's got that coming back after what he's done this year. But we are going to switch over to the defensive side. Uh, obviously, the stronger side, um, you know. Obviously, Juden, a rookie that I loved out of Grand Valley. But give me some thoughts here. You know, uh, you know, on the front seven, we'll get to the secondary a little bit too. Uh, Judon has has been flashing this season, and obviously, he's still a young player, so he's still getting that uh, instinctual aspect instead of reading and reacting. But especially coming few... from a smaller program like he did. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, some of that's going to take a little bit of time, but. You're seeing the talent there. You're seeing the the raw physical side now starting to meet up with a little bit of the, the, the mental side, and he's had quite a few big games. Now, that being said, is he has pretty much just had those few big games that make up a bulk of his stats, uh, which is a little disappointing. And if you look at just his, his stat sheet for the season, you'd think he's had a pretty good overall year, but realistically, it's it's three, four games in which he has multiple sacks. He has a really big game. Uh, and but outside of that, he, he's made some stupid plays as well. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, suplexing a guy into the ground, probably on the pl- list of plays that isn't acceptable in any sport, uh, period, <laughs> uh, much less the NFL. And, and he's going to draw a fine every now and again because of that type of thing. So, again, it's just a matter of as he matures, I think he'll, he'll develop into that every down linebacker that the Ravens kind of need especially with Terrell Suggs eventually retiring uh, or possibly even moving to another team next year based on his, his salary cap. You know, again, the positives are there. He, he looks like a player that can do that. Uh, it just might take another year or two before he really, you know, fulfills that, that level of uh, what he can do. Well, the thing with Suggs, I think Suggs is going to end up kind of going like the Dwight Freeney route. I think he's going to go like pass rusher for hire. You know, where you don't have to play the whole 16. Maybe you can find a way to avoid a training camp, things of those nature. Um, 
No, CJ Mosley. Uh, he's uh, look. Uh, obviously, you know, Ozzy loves his Bama guys. Uh, but CJ Mosley, he's a guy that's popped for me this year for the in what I've seen of the Ravens. So uh, a little talk there on CJ. Yeah, I mean, CJ has been uh, playing at an All Pro level this season. I mean, he's had a few bad, you know, snaps here and there. Maybe maybe a bad game, but generally speaking, he's been one of the top inside linebackers in his league. The knock against him is the fact that he isn't really mouthy. He isn't, uh, uh, you know, a huge uh, draw when it comes to the camera. He's, he's a quiet guy, which is you know, good for him in all fairness. Uh, but he doesn't get all the attention he probably should. But, uh, you know, a very rangy linebacker, a very smart linebacker, and that's that's the primary thing is he knows what's going to happen. And uh, You know, you never want to compare a guy to somebody like Ray Lewis or anything like that. But, you know, the transition from, from Lewis over to, to Mosley – has been uh, far more seamless than you know a lot of teams replacing a, a Hall of Fame player uh, get a chance to to, to have. So um, you know Mosley has been kind of a standout player in this defense and has kind of molded it into his own. And eventually, when Suggs leaves or, or retires, um, you know he's going to be the the de facto leader because it, it is his team already. I hear you. Now the secondary, obviously Tony Jefferson brought in. Uh, you know, the drafting of Marlon Humphrey. Yes, again, a Bama guy. Um, now, how are they working? How are they gelling? And it's going to be a lot different for them this week. You know, obviously they did face Corey Coleman, you know, the first time around. But uh, number 12 is back in the building. And, look, I mean, Josh Gordon, if he's available on game day, is one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL. So give some thoughts about that. And, you know, how are they going to handle the fact that, you know, Superman's got his cape back on and he's able to play again? Well, I mean, A, Tony Jefferson has not been the free agent acquisition that the Ravens kind of hoped he would be. Uh, oh. he, he, he has been, I mean, he's making top three strong safety money, um, and, and the strong safeties ahead of him are big names. So, you know, he, he's, being play, he's being paid like one of the top guys in the league, and, and he's been playing kind of okay-ish. Uh, has not been super great in run support. I mean, he got run over by uh, Le'Veon Bell. Has not been all that great uh, in in pass uh, support and coverage. Uh, he, he again he got you know run over by a fullback uh, in for a pass for a touchdown uh, Sunday night against the Steelers. I, I think that kind of epitomizes what we've seen from him this season, which is a guy that can do it, but just maybe isn't uh, on the same page as the rest of the defense, or or just isn't in the same type of scheme that he had in Arizona. Uh, I do think that he can get there, but just he hasn't yet. Um, Marlon Humphrey, you know, ha- has been the Ravens have been very lucky in the fact that they are so stacked with talent, generally speaking, that they haven't had to push you know, any of their rookies out to really make a huge impact. And, and Humphrey has been able to play here and there, uh, but primarily in a reserve role uh, and, and just watch. And Jimmy Smith, the starting cornerback who's now on injured reserve, uh, with a, a, an Achilles injury, you know, has been playing lights out football, shut down football as a cornerback this season. So Humphrey's gotten a chance to learn a lot of those tips and tricks. And even coming to the draft, I mean, one of the, the comparisons that Humphrey had was to Jimmy Smith, a guy who is, you know, very big, very physical, but sometimes can can be a little over aggressive and, and can get into it a little too much uh, and and bite on double moves or, or get burned because he's just. He, he's trying to go ahead and play the underneath and make a play. Uh, we've seen some of that this season. I mean, against the Lions, he was beat uh, on two consecutive drives pretty heavily. 
uh, before going ahead and making a, you know an, an interception. So right now he's kind of a, a flash player. He's going to give up a little bit. He's going to give a little uh, and, and get a splash play, but he, he's still learning, obviously. But again, the, the talent's there, and that's you know, uh, indisputable. That, that he's definitely got what it takes. It's just a matter of again, like Judon, just just picking up the the smart part of it and, and playing that way, and that's just going to take time. But uh, you know, this week up against uh, Coleman and, and Josh Gordon, it's going to be a test, and we saw how it went against Pittsburgh. Uh, you know. Cleveland doesn't have a Ben Roethlisberger, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> Roethlisberger did toss up 500 yards on the Ravens. Uh, you know, Kaiser, uh, he's going to get battered. He's going to get beat up, and the Ravens are going to test primarily. Can he, can he stay in the pocket? Can he take a licking and, and still go ahead and make an accurate pass where it needs to be? Can he think on his feet? Can he think quickly? If he can't, it's, it's going to be another five-turnover type of game. If he can, he has developed that over the last, you know, few weeks. He very well could pick apart a, a Ravens defense, especially you know in the middle of the field in the intermediate routes that has not been all that great uh, in getting the transition from safety linebacker and, and cornerback. And there's usually holes open in the middle of the field where, you know, I wouldn't want to see a guy like uh, Josh Gordon streaking on a, 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 you know, a slant route inside. That's that could eat them apart. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think the Ravens have the talented to, talent to do it. It's just a matter of wh- how do the Browns react to this, and are the Browns a good enough team offensively to hold in there and take their shots and, and make a few, you know, good completions? Well, a couple things there. Well, you know, obviously, what you're stating is is that maybe David Najoku set the valve. Look, there could be openings for these two this week. Marlon Humphrey. It's actually funny the way you described him. Because what I heard from you, and I took a little heat last spring, I thought Marlon Humphrey might be better suited for a safety position. And I took a lot of heat for that. You know, don't piss off the Alabama fan base. They don't appreciate that at all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with those two guys, obviously, as well. You know, it, and the thing with Deshaun Kaiser is it, it, it's the processing thing. Look, if his first read isn't open, he's he's having issues getting to second, third, and obviously, you know, fourth, back out, that type of stuff. He's having issues with it. Um, look, but I mean, we're also getting to the point now where this is, you know, a, a game, another game now where he steps into a game where he's at least seen them once. So he's played against them. So he kind of understands that. We'll see how it works out. And of course, you know, having Josh Gordon there is one thing. Uh, also, obviously, you're going to have to deal with the fact that, you know, you have a locker room right now that is agitated and aggravated and pissed off because the GM who got hired eight days ago basically just said that there's no real players in that locker room. So it's, you know, there's just so many layers to that. Uh, guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns. Uh, like I've mentioned, uh, you know, Locked On NFL, Locked On NBA. Uh, we've started to branch out. Locked On MLB, Locked On Cubs, Locked On Yankees is born. Any baseball fans, you want to check that out. You know, I know David, obviously, uh, you know, who runs, uh, you know, David Locke, who runs all of Locked On, has his aspirations set to, you know, fill every slot there. So go ahead, guys, you know, check out Locked On MLB, check out Locked On Cubs, check out Locked On Yankees. You know, look, we all work together. We're all in partnership. Everybody's got each other's backs here. So, by all means, any baseball fans, go ahead, check that out. We're getting a little bit more to the game now itself. Uh, you confident? Look, the Ravens need this. You know, if you're seven and six, you cannot lose a game when you are rolling, you know, towards a wild card spot 
2-0-13 team. You confident for a win on Sunday? Uh, yes and no. And I, and I think that's really <laughs> the answer for every Ravens game this year is, you know, which version of this team shows up? They got decimated by a, a Jaguars team that everybody was kind of laughing at to begin the season. Even, even though their defense is clearly talented, uh, nobody expects Blake Bortles to, to toss up a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, and here we are 44 points later. Uh, clearly it's exactly what happened. Um, you know, if the Ravens show up and they play the type of football they can definitely play, it, it's gonna they're gonna slaughter the Browns. I mean, it's not even gonna be close. But we've seen that maybe once this season from the Ravens. Uh, you know that that doesn't bode well for this uh, matchup. And you know, you're right; they need to win every single game. But this is a game that players overlook. I mean, they, they'll talk so much about how we're focused on this week, but. No, they're not. They're, they're, it's the Browns. It's 0-13 Browns. Uh, it's easy to not be focused on them this week when you have a rookie quarterback who has been mediocre at best. Uh, you've got a defense that doesn't seem to be able to do very much on any uh, side, uh, either in the passing game or, or uh, against the, the run. It's easy to overlook that type of a team, and, and the Ravens should know more than that. Uh, but you know, th- this is a team that in 2007, had the same exact scenario. Uh, going up against the winless Miami Dolphins, they dropped the game and eventually ended up hiring Cam Cameron the next year as their offensive coordinator because he got canned from Miami. But uh, you know, th- this is, if you're writing the book of the Ravens season, that sounds like a chapter in it to me. Is you drop it to the 0-13 uh, Cleveland Browns because you're not paying that much attention. Um, so I'm confident they have the talent to do it, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's the NFL, anything can happen. And it sounds a little too obvious, uh, that, that this is the type of game that they would drop. Give me a score prediction. I think the Ravens actually win. Uh, I think they win big. I think they finally show up in, in a big way against, like you said, it, it's a Browns team that, uh, is kind of all over the place right now and not sure what their future is. I think they win uh, 31 to 10. Woof. I'm going to stick with my 27 to 17. Uh, I think Josh Gordon, him being there, factors into these things. But uh, defensively, now the Ravens have lost Jamie Collins. I mean, the Browns, they've lost Jamie Collins. They've lost Emmanuel Ogba. Uh, Jason McCourty, now the play is starting to slip later on in the year. He was, he was lights out for about the first, you know, eight, nine, ten weeks. That's starting to slip now. Uh, this team still does not have the high free safety that they so covet and so need. So I'm going to go 27-17. I think, you know, I, I'm not saying it's going to feel like a close 27-17. Uh, I think the Ravens will walk away. I, 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 I was confident the Browns would get a win or two here, but as it's going on, and then, you know, the GM being fired, and yeah, we bring in a new GM, you know, all right, everybody's got some life, and now that the new GM has kind of just kind of ticked off everybody, I, I don't have much confidence in that. Uh, guys, we've listened to Locked on Browns here, uh, 132. We've uh, double dip with the Ravens Wire. Matthew Stevens was uh, jo- uh, kind enough to join us here tonight. Guys, make sure you're following the Ravens Wire. Follow Matthew Stevens. Follow Lindsey OK. The guys, they do a great job down there. Uh by all means, follow me at Jeff underscore uh, LJ underscore Lloyd. Follow you know, the 
Locked On Browns account. It's the best way for you guys to get in touch with me. Uh, you know, DM anything you want to hear, guys. You've been great. You know, suggest guests you want to hear. I've been able to get them. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, anytime, buddy. Uh, you know, look, anything Ravens, man. Uh, you know, look, the guy spoke well of you. You know, definitely will be coming back. Uh, you know, good luck. I mean, you guys are going to be looking eight and six going in the last two. Uh, you know, should, you know, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Tennessee. I think we're going to see, you know, the purple and black in a playoff game. I, I think that should be the case. I mean, at this point, if they win their last three games, they're in. They'll have the tiebreaker over Buffalo. Uh, and, and that should be enough to go ahead and get them in. So, you know, it's just now up to them to go ahead and do their part in the final three games, which they have not been all that great over the last few years of, uh, of finishing the season. So, uh, well, hopefully, hopefully they get in. Yeah, look, hey, all you ask for is the opportunity this late in the year. They have it. You know, whether it's been a beautiful brand of football or not, you have that opportunity. You know, That's go grab the spoon, it. step in and take yours. Uh, for Matthew Stevens, I'm Jeff Lloyd, Locked On Browns, episode 133. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let's go Browns, and guys, we'll talk to you all tomorrow.